views and opinions expressed by callers, guests, and hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium. Let your wise rise up, see the signs of the times, if it's time, rise up, rise up. When death and hell dwell among all God's people, when those we chose and trusted have become completely corrupted and inherently evil, when the feast that feeds you starves our father's children, when snuff porn and pedo forms begin to get top billing, rise up, when famine claims millions, when justice... Peace and welcome to New Abolitionist Radio, a program that seeks to educate, inform, and agitate on the issue of 21st century slavery. Hosted by social activist and spoken word poet Max Parthas, with New Abolitionist and Actionist Johanna Elia and Black Talk Media Project founder Scotty Reed. On this program, we discuss recent news on legalized 21st century slavery and human trafficking, along with projects and people who help combat it. Today is Friday, October 7th, and we have a special broadcast of New Abolitionist Radio in order to review and discuss with the community the new film, which was recently released as of today, titled 13th by Ava DuVernay. It was also released at the New York Film Festival and the first of its kind in their history to be premiered at that festival. So without further ado, once again, I'm Max Parthas and I'm here with Scotty Reed and Johanan should be calling in in a moment. What's up, Scotty? Hey, what's going on, Max? It's just been one of them them bad days of uh, broadcasting, man. So I just want to apologize to the um, network listeners who were listening to Tando Radio Show earlier today. Uh, we had all kind of technical issues, but fortunately we did save that podcast from the conference line. I'll just have to work on that tomorrow to get that podcast uh, up and, you know, uh, edited correctly. So, but again, doing stuff new, using this new software, and I was struggling at too high of a rate for this video software. Shout out to the YouTube listeners as well. Um, and so that caused my system to lock up because uh, my processor isn't really fast enough to run this software. Um, but um, it can, I did have successful tests with it, but I made the wrong choice for how I wanted to stream that caused it to lock up. But I am putting in order for another computer that meets the spe- specifications for this particular software software because Max I don't know if you saw my message but I'm sure you heard me earlier today um, I think this software will be great for us to make our own documentary film about the 13th but tonight we are here to talk about Avery DuVernay's film I watched it hey, as soon as I woke up this morning I checked Netflix because I actually was checking it like 1, 2 o'clock in the morning you know uh, but um, I went to bed, woke up it was on Netflix so I watched it early this morning, uh, talked to some people through social media about it. And so I'm now I'm, you know, ready to get into it with you and the listeners. Uh, anybody that has seen it, definitely we want to hear from you. I took notes and what have you. And listen, I'm my, I can speak for myself and, um, 
And in this case, I feel comfortable speaking for Max, but um, we are not coming on here to tear down her work. But what we are going to do is give you a, a honest, objective critique on if the film met its objective. And and so just the pros and cons. And so we could, I've already started thinking about, well, how could it have been better so that we can include these things like some more historical context of the 13th Amendment in a documentary that Black Talk Media Project is going to uh, produce. And we've already, Max, uh, we had a caller who said that, hey, he would send us some equipment. And, and what have you to make this documentary he said come up with a budget how much would you need so uh, we got some work ahead of us bro uh, to produce our own our first documentary you know about I the 13th say that earlier and I'm looking forward to it but I would like to add that I don't know if you remember or not last year I produced a documentary called I denounced this so called emancipation yes I remember Nine-part series, which addresses everything that was spoke of tonight, but takes it even further. Unlike tonight's uh, video episode, we directly said that this is slavery, and we are abolitionists, and abolitionists are needed. And the time that we made this was one of the most historical times in recent history. Uh, the day that we created that documentary, the flag was being taken down by Bree Newsom just yards from us. We were there. Uh, we had just went through the situation with the protest because of nine people, including a state's black state senator, being assassinated in Charleston, South Carolina. And we're also at the same time in the process of bringing this uh, Confederate flag down from the Capitol building right there. And all of that is a part of this documentary. So it's called I Denounce the So-Called Emancipation as a Stupendous Fraud. You can find it on YouTube or on our Facebook pages as well. Uh, check it out. If you've seen the film 13th already and you really want to know some more, that is a great place to start right there. Right. Uh, yes, I do recall that and I saw that you did share share that um, earlier today. And so um, um, I, I just, you know, again, I'm not on here to tear tear it down. But I was kind of disappointed. I was hoping they was going to be a little bit stronger on the using the correct language. And I was kind of disappointed because, I, I mean, I started counting. I quit counting how many times I heard mass incarceration as opposed to how many times I heard slavery, which I may have heard the word slavery um, towards the end used in the proper context. And do you remember the white guy's name? Um, I know his face and I recognize his voice, but I can't remember his name. And they said his name on there. But again, that was this morning. But uh, he is the only one who I felt like brought it strong on the 13th Amendment in the language. Yes, yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, he was very strong about it. He sounded like an abolitionist. You know, and, and you're right about how many times they use so many synonyms for slavery. Uh, I had to come to a realization while I was watching that uh, documentary. And uh, for instance, at one point, one of the women out there came talking about the immigration system and how that is prisons and they are uh, putting people in there for profit. And she gave it a new name, called it Crimigration. Crimigration. Yeah, which is just a I didn't catch that one, man. Say, I must have. Yeah. for slavery. Say that again. <laughs> Crimigration. Instead of immigration, she was she called it crimigration. Well, listen, um, 
on did we have her on New Abolitionist Radio? I know I had her on. You know, Angela Chan, immigration attorney specialist, uh, Asian American woman living out in California, works for the largest Asian law firm that really helps. Well, it wasn't Angela Chan. It was a Caucasian woman that was saying that. Yeah, but what I'm saying is Angela Chan called it slavery. Remember, right. she wrote the article in the Huffington Post and talked about the 13th Amendment, but she still didn't make the connection that she was saying. This is what Angela Chan's argument was in her article, and I was happy that she accepted our invitation, not not so that we could correct her, and not in a bad way, you know, to offer up where we felt like maybe she missed something. But she correctly pointed out that immigration, when you're dealing with non-citizens, these are non-citizens, and, um, you know, when you, that immigration is different from the criminal courts. You know what I'm saying? That's a civilian court dealing with immigration issues. You're not really criminalized for coming here illegally, as they say. So you get a hearing, there's a process, but, but, what she said where it turns into slavery is when you put them into these geo group facilities and then you force them to work and you're not paying them and they're bringing in these profits and that's slavery that's illegal slavery but she did recognize that legalized slavery of the 13th amendment so she did acknowledge and I think she even said on the uh, I don't know if y'all hear that sirens in the background I got a window open but um yeah she she did I think say she was an abolitionist that yes I can call her abolitionist I think it was when did I interview her Max about a year ago or uh, no it wasn't even that long it was six months ago about six months ago so so you know coming up with new terms and new words that that really don't get to the heart of it let's just keep it simple you know what what is it kiss keep it simple stupid and i'm not calling him right stupid but that's the acronym for that term you know you want to keep it simple so why come up with all these other terms when slavery will do i mean just that one word describes what it is and, and and it has more impact than any kind of other co- terms you coin like mass incarceration. I just heard that too many times, Max, as well as reform. I never heard the word once uttered abolition. It was mentioned once. And that was, was the, it? the gentleman that you mentioned. Oh, the white guy, the white guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah the white the guy. Time they mentioned it. Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. You are right about that. So, but but most of it, I'm like Van Jones, Van Jones talking about. I heard too many people say, for a documentary based on the Thirteenth Amendment, which legalized and constitutionalized slavery for the entire United States. Okay, so actually, the Civil War spread slavery. That was the result of that. Is spreading it, uh, spreading slavery. So how are you going to come on a documentary about the Thirteenth Van Jones and say something like, you know, slavery ended, but then it turned into Jim Crow, 
and then it turned into this or or you know we thought we got rid of slavery but it, now we got racism i mean he was just very confusing to me and i was like van jones when when ava duvernay contacted you and told you you know i'm making this documentary on the 13th what, what you talking about the 13th i know you ain't talking about friday the 13th oh uh, no the 13th amendment you would think van jones would go read that and then Van Jones would, would not be coming on the documentary saying slavery ended in 1865. I mean, again, I'm maybe I'm being overly critical. I don't know. So, but that's how I took that is I'm hearing too many people saying slavery ended. And now it's something else. No, it's not anything else. It's the same thing. It's slavery. Well, before I get into Here's Johanna. Was here. Yeah, he just I just saw him on the board. Welcome, Johanna. Peace. Peace to the abolitionists. Peace. Did you get an opportunity to watch it? I know you your work schedule kind of crazy. Did you get a chance to watch it? Oh yeah. I watched it. Great. That was great. the first thing I first thing I did this morning. You guys got a nasty echo going on. Uh, I'm muted at the moment, so I, it wasn't me. Okay. Sometimes it catches up after a couple of words. I don't know. I don't have any other windows open with it on or anything. But at any rate, can you still hear me or is it better? Yeah, it went away. It, that's just how the okay. uh, conference system rolls sometimes, and it'll go away. Okay. Yeah, I watched it first thing this morning, spent some time meditating on what I saw. And, um, I mean, just to break it down from what I saw as a – from um, – virgin eyes we'll say like not even going in as an abolitionist but let's just say I'm just a person looking to even stumble up on this or got a, got a recommendation maybe I should check it out I was disappointed and remain disappointed in Netflix uh, promotion of it on their actual site that's that's um, a good that, hey thank you for mentioning that go ahead I didn't mean to interrupt that, uh, you but I didn't even consider yeah. that but you're right I did not see any kind of large um, a media campaign. No. The only thing I saw was on Twitter where Ava DuVernay just had a hashtag the 13th, and that's the only promotion mm -hmm. I really saw other than the YouTube uh, uh, post. Yeah, so that shocked me uh, when I when I uh, logged on to you onto uh, Netflix this morning. I was expecting to see it listed. You know, they have uh, on their home screen uh, Netflix originals is the first thing, and I see this. Uh, Amanda Knox movie this out now in the second season of Narcos and all these uh, Marvel hero movies this out and I look scroll down a little bit to trending now so the trending movies if it's not a Netflix original which I knew it was by Netflix Studios it should be on the original line and scrolling through all of those I didn't see it anywhere mentioned in those so I went on down to the trending line and uh, American Horror Story and Luke Cage and all kind of other stuff recently added so this is the top three listings of what's on Netflix and what's new and what's trending recently added line went all through it no 13th I had to physically put in the number first I put in the 13th T-H-E then the number 13 T-H and it didn't give me anything and then I had to go back and take out the word the and just put in 13th and then it brought it up and I watched it so I mean as a long time Netflix you know member or subscriber I felt that was almost something that that stood out like a sore thumb. I mean, you could find everything else you might want to see. Everything's ever been promoted. Narcos has been on there forever. Uh, several other shows that come out when they do Orange is the New Black, 
it's everywhere. It's the face of Netflix when they do. It makes you seem uh, like they did it grudgingly, like they put yeah, this out there but didn't really want yeah. to. And something else I saw, and then I'll let y'all go here. Something else I noticed too is Ava DuVernay's other titles were added when this was added. She had a movie, her first movie that I ever heard of her about was a, a, a film about a lady that had a husband that was in in prison. Um, I think it was like long long walk home or something to that effect. At any rate, that was something that wasn't able to be streamed for a long time because that came out like in 2010 or 11, I think. And I had never seen it on any um, any kind of service. And when I looked up Ava DuVernay, Middle of Nowhere was the name of, the, of her first movie. So when I looked up Ava DuVernay on Netflix now, she's got Middle of Nowhere, The 13th, and then another movie called I Will Follow. She's got three films on Netflix all of a sudden now when The 13th comes out. So there's other things going on with this and not enough mention of slavery or abolition of slavery in any of it. Tribal Rain is in the background going, thank you to you, Johanna, for saying that. <laughs> I mean, you know, we see it how we see it. <laughs> yeah, that that was her, her issue, too. I think that was all of our issues, but, you know, it, it made me come to a, a understanding. you got to put these things into perspective. Remember that the people that are speaking on there are lukewarm. They are not slavery abolitionist. The closest one to a slavery abolitionist is Brian Stevenson from the Equal Justice Initiative. And even him, it, we have talked about him on the Abolitionist Radio where he sometimes chooses to be very politically correct and just saying what needs to be said. So uh, throughout this whole thing, we had these lukewarm people who are just coming to a conclusion. They haven't even reached it yet. They're still trying to figure the thing out. So they can't tell you what the problem is because they have not yet accepted it themselves. They're dealing with cognitive dissonance. So they're lukewarm. We're hot. The American public can't really handle the kind of heat that we bring right now, but we're bringing it nonetheless. So I had to understand that these are the best we have to offer at this time to put this out in this uh, at this level, even with the grudgingliness of uh, of Netflix, where they don't want to list it or anything like that. You know, these are the best that we have at this moment that can put this out. So we have to be here on the sideline as, as abolitionists to give people more clarity on what's going on, because you're not getting it from these people who who uh, presented it today. They're in a way it's more leaves you more confused than anything because you start thinking, well, what do they want? What's the answer? The answer seems to be reform because that's what they keep uh, referring to as reform. Nothing, as you said, is mentioned about abolition. So I had to ask the question to Ava DuVernay and Michelle Alexander and all of those people on the panel. What is slavery without abolition? It's perpetual. There is no answer to it. If you don't have abolition to counter slavery, then the only thing you have is slavery, and you can't reform slavery. Well, that was my realization that I had to understand. Yeah. So, yeah, that was how I came into it. I came into the call, um, into the into the program tonight, uh, listening to you two breaking down what you saw within the actual film, and I agree um, the uh, the the uh, I think his name was Kevin uh, Professor uh, was one of the last ones. The white guy with the tattoos was one of the ones, one of the main ones that was speaking um, pretty specifically about um, 
abolition and, and calling it slavery. I mean, he did make these kinds of of references more so than almost any of the others that I heard. Kevin Gannon, uh, almost more so than any of the others that I heard. Um, I did like what I heard uh, Brother uh, Khalil Jabrain Muhammad saying in there. He, he made mention of a lot of the information that's kind of missing and just um, as far as like the, the connective issues, the connective uh, aspects of terrorism that have gone on against black folks. I did hear a segment that went into talking about um, how you can't look at, I wish I could remember which one of them it was that said that, but that, that struck my attention where it said you can connect all of American history of white you know, political figures and never mention the FBI, never mention resistance against it, but you can't mention any black history of political resistance or trying to build anything politically that you cannot connect the FBI and wep a weaponized uh, investigative uh, branch of the government in that same story, just saying every single thing that has been done and then talking about how we lost all of the, the martyrs and political prisoners and people that were run out of the country that were leaders, you know, from the 60s, 70s run out of here and then that's when they did their major damage and seeing the numbers go up in the 80s and 90s until we had 2.3 million or more now today I mean all of that is relevant information to explaining yes. the situation but having it listed as slavery is the is the linchpin of it all right um, yeah, I, I, I also um, made note that they had you know did the little thing about the Black Panther Party and you know how they were being targeted and assassinated any of these leaders they mentioned J. Edgar Hoover I, I don't think COINTEL was COINTEL Pro was mentioned by name but again like I said I'm not on here to tear down the film cause a lot of good information was shared but for me I, it jumped around too much. Okay, it opens up with a little quote about the 13th, and then they go into, you know, the other stuff. And then it just jumped around, man. It wasn't even, okay, this is what I was looking for, chronological uh, history. I, I expected it to be chronologically laid out, starting, starting with the end of the Civil War, uh, the passage of the 13th Amendment. They did mention the convict leasing program. They did mention that. Um, black, yeah, black codes were also mentioned. But again, there was no clear-cut connection to slavery. Now, a person like us and our regular listeners, we, you know, we already know those connections, so we would we would understand the context. But but like Johanna was saying to the Virgin Eyes, someone new to this information, I felt like you know it could have been a more clear-cut line along the historical line. I felt like it jumped around too much. You talked about the drug war. All of these things are symptoms of slavery. Those are the tools that they were using to put people into slavery. And I wasn't getting, it wasn't getting framed in that context. And and, and so, um, yeah, so though, again, I am sure some people got from that film 
that slavery was never abolished just for the simple fact, even if they had to wait towards the end to get a full reading and a full view of the 13th Amendment, which isn't that long. And so by them putting that in there, just the 13th Amendment in there, the language of the 13th Amendment, I felt like critical thinking people seeing it for the first time would come away with they never abolished slavery. So again, I'm thankful for the film. I don't know what 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 ended up on the cutting room floor. I don't know what the process is. She had total 100% control. I don't even know if she just recently came to this information and, and thought it was hot and let me get it out there and what have you. I, I don't know. You know, I appreciate them showing you know, uh, um, uh, the police brutality but make the historical connection to the slave patrols you see what I'm saying guys do, do uh, you understand yes. where I'm coming from recently uh, as you well know we were in Missouri and I had to give a keynote presentation and as a poet and an artist I always run into the same problem too much to say in too little time so you have to take what you know, whether it be a hundred hours of knowledge, and compress it into this one little bit of time. So you're going to cut stuff out like we do every week with our program, losing 30, 40 stories that we can't tell people. And you have to try to condense it down into something that is presentable and understandable. And I think that she did a decent job of that, a very good job of that, as a matter of fact. So people will walk away knowing that there is a connection and to see that direct connection and to watch the historical content of it. But I also felt like it wasn't a standalone film. Like, this was part two of Slavery by Another Name. Slavery by Another Name went into detail on the transition from slavery to convict leasing for a full documentary. And then after that comes the 13th, which shows you how from that slavery by another name, we come to where we are today. And I think that there needs to be a third part now coming up. And I would not be surprised if it would be called The Abolitionist and be produced by Black Talk Radio Network. Indeed. So that, that's how I walked away with it. I got to give her credit. She put a lot of information in a little bit of time, and people had to rush through it. And you had to reach out to those uh, in the field who were looked at as experts, as professionals, like Michelle Alexander, you know, I mean, as and uh, Brian Stevenson. So there's a limited field of people out there talking about this. So she had to get who she could get, and she did well. And uh, I wish she would have invited some of us. That would have been nice if you or myself or Yohanan Scotty were in the program. Maybe we could have added some kind of counter or given more of a direction, but we weren't. Still, the first half of that whole program, I felt like I literally wrote the script because I had written about all of that in detail. And it just reminded me of the influence that we had here on New Abolitionist Radio. Well, that's, that's one of the things I had said about it is that, you know, everything I've heard thus far, because as I was watching it, I was also posting about what I was watching. And so I was just saying, man, this is like, one of the things I said, hey, I could tune in New Abolitionist Radio every week. We've been, you know, consistently putting out this information. And and and, and, and not just us, but a whole bunch of other people, you know, who have been reporting on these stories in the proper context and what have you. But I was like, well, Max is a well-known person. You know, he, he's a, a, a internationally known, award-winning, spoken word artist. 
He gets out there on the road on a regular basis. He's already put out a documentary and what have you. And you can't Google the 13th. Um, I just Googled the 13th. The 13th Amendment, excuse me. And guess who shows up on the first page of the Google search for 13th Amendment? New Abolitionist Radio? No, Scotty Reed. There you go. There you go. Where I'm talking about New Abolitionist Radio, but they have linked to stuff I have shared, and it's on the first page. So what I'm saying is if somebody took to the Internet to research the 13th, they had to have come across something that would point them to New Abolitionist Radio. And I would have loved to see you or Johanna on there. And again, I, I'm, I'm again. Maybe I'm being overly critical, but I know how important language is and how important the words are. And what they saw in that film, they see, they see it on nightly news. You know what I'm saying? That's on MSNBC. They'll cover some of that. And in the police snuff films, we see those all the time. And so I was just hoping for a deeper, a deeper look into the 13th Amendment. How did it get? See, this is the opening scene. Opening scene, if we do the, if I was to do the documentary on the 13th, which I want to do, and, and, and people have said they want to see it. The opening scene of the 13th will open with, I'm kind of debating between the first time the 13th Amendment appeared on this continent. Where was that? In a territory of Ohio or Northwest? 1777 in Vermont in their constitution. Okay. And again in Alabama in 1840 and then in Ohio in 1846. Okay. And it was, so it had been around for a while. So I would probably go through that history. And, and and showing that how it popped up first in the different state constitutions and what have you and so then I would then fast forward to the Civil War before the Civil War and I would I would uh, talk about Abraham Lincoln and I would show on the screen his a screenshot of his letter to Representative Stevens of Georgia uh, which were part of the Confederacy before the Civil War of him telling him, begging him, to please tell your conf- your uh, Southern friends that I do not intend to abolish slavery. I'm paraphrasing what he said, but that's the gist of the letter. Please tell them that we have no intention to interfere with slavery in your state. You you think it's right. We think it's wrong. You We just don't want to see it expand. You know, and that's the whole thing about the border states and what will they be free states or will they be uh, states that practice slavery? And and so, but he was telling them we are not going to interfere with slavery. Now he was coming out of his mouth to the abolitionists so he could get their support for the nomination and giving public speeches where he sounded like an abolitionist. But in private letters to a, a Georgia congressman. He was telling them something totally different. And then I would take and then I would show the different things we reported on New Abolitionist Radio. I'll take you to the Field General's report of when they went into Missouri. Also, I remember Missouri where they raised the regiment of formerly enslaved Africans and put the rifle in their hand and gave them a uniform and took them in the army, okay, into the army and started using them in a military fashion. It happened in South Carolina as well. South Carolina had the first black regiment. This is before Lincoln 
finally allowed black people to serve, okay? But every time those field generals, I don't know if you guys remember this. I remember reporting on this. But um, every time those field generals would set these enslaved Africans free and then train them and then write back to Lincoln and say, we've raised a regiment of former slaves and blah, blah. He was like, you don't do no such thing. And you disband that regiment. And you you don't have no right to be freeing nobody. Am I lying, guys? Do y'all not remember that? So that's what I would show uh, uh, in that first scene. And then I would sh- take it to the end of the Civil War. And I would show the the uh, deal, the compromise that he made with the Confederates to end the Civil War. And that is the exception clause of the 13th Amendment. Let's end this war. Too many people are dying. I tried to tell you before the war that I wasn't going to try to abolish slavery through the federal government. You could have done what you wanted to do. So now we have wasted all these resources and what have you. And so, but, but if you come back into the union right now, I'll let you keep practicing slavery. But instead of it going through the, the, uh, uh, what they call them, the slave auction block, now it's got to go through the courts. But you can then just get them right back on your plantation or in your mind or in your business by the just leasing them out. And I well, and so Scotty, that's I, how I would that's would be scene number one in my documentary. I think that there is room for hundreds of hours of documentaries on this. As you have so clearly stated, this is probably the uh biggest uh deception ever committed on the American public. And it's not a one-time thing that happened like, you know, the grassy knoll. This has been going on every day now for over 150 years. So I'm pretty sure there's room for a lot of stories to be told that are untold. Uh, I'm looking and forward I'm not to them coming stupid. out. I see and, more of them coming out now already. Yeah, Max, and I'm not stupid. She's in the mainstream. She still depends on them to for butter biscuits. And so she not going to go. That's just a bit too much now, Ava DuVernay. You can't call Lincoln the great betrayer and one of the greatest liars to ever have lived. You can't go. So I, I understand they can't go as hard as what we go. Hey, I would like to uh, invite our listeners, because today is a discussion, and, and discussion means we are including you. So if you'd like to uh, have it, say what you felt when you uh, saw the film or have any questions or comments, call us at one six four one seven one five three six six zero. The access code is 549032-POUND. If you're already on the conference line, just press star 6 and 1 to queue up on the conference line. Anybody on the line yet there, Scotty? Um, yeah, it's people on the line, but nobody with a question. But I've been hogging up a lot of the time, and I noticed Johanan was trying to get in. So, Johanan, go ahead, bro. And just to let y'all know, um, you're listening to Black Talk Radio Network, New Black Media for the New Millennium. Uh, this platform is supported by your donations to blacktalkmediaproject.org. That is Black Talk Media Project, a North Carolina-based nonprofit. And this is New Abolitionist Radio. You're on with Max, myself, Scotty, and our uh, abolitionist comrade, Johanna. Go ahead, Johanna. Well, I'm just sitting here listening to what you're all saying and, of course, you know, reflecting on what I was thinking 
throughout the course of the documentary as well. And I know we probably all three had uh, had the wheels turning in a similar direction, just seeing what will we do differently. I definitely um, appreciated the visual, like the graphics that the documentary had. So it was, you know, obviously uh, a lot of visuals to kind of help people see what was going on and, and showing like the numbers uh, growing every five, like 500,000 every five to t uh, five to six years, then like 10 years is another million and another million, like just seeing the numbers of people going in. Um, where they went with those types of things as far as the numbers going in and showing politically, um, I felt like it, I think that the documentary showed if you know the information that we know um, and understand the funding behind uh, well, like we found with Black Lives Matter, the funding uh, behind ALEC, the members of ALEC. When we look at things that we've shown uh, through through the podcast over the years, um, and even referencing uh, our, our abolitionist sister, uh, Naomi Mirakawa's work, The First Civil Right, when I realized um, that the Democrats are just as complicit in this, because they did focus on Bill Clinton quite a bit, and they had Charlie Wrangell in there, and he he basically said he realized it, it didn't work trying to ride with the man all the time, trying to ride with Massa. It 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 backfired. You're right. You're right. You got me. So I mean, these things were seem like small concessions to me. <clears throat> I felt like overall the, the documentary was really trying to paint a picture of Republicans as the bad guys, as opposed to showing the entire system itself as complicit and the bad guys and the people, all of them generating billions and billions and billions of dollars on end for all this time, all of them getting paid. So I definitely would see room to uh, uh, blow the whistle on both sides of the aisle and show the donations, the political donations that, you know, CCA and Geo Group in particular have made to both parties over the years to show the legislation that both parties, bipartisan support passed. Um, and then also I wanted to see a layout, I think it would be very powerful to show a layout of a graphic or just see the map expanding showing where the states were that had slavery, you know, pre-Civil War and then post-13th Amendment um, as we know that state constitution and all the states that ratified that and then seeing state constitutions throw that in, I think it would be powerful for people to be able to see those states that started as slave states and then see states that were either free states, never had slavery, or were not even states incorporated at the time of the passing that came into being and created a state constitution and and carried that same language into their constitution and then also carried that practice of prison slave labor into these modern times. I think being able to show that map and show how it just exploded all over the country. I think that would be very powerful for people to see. A couple they did something like that where they had a map of the people, African Americans leaving the South and heading out in the different directions and uh, how, you know, they migrated, leaving terrorism behind because they were being terrorized. They were right. job opportunities. They, they were being terrorized and forced out. Yeah, that was powerful when they were referring to the, the migrating blacks from the South as, as refugees. Right. And right. one of the one of the other things, um, I'm, I'm going to go from my notes on the things that y'all talk about that hits on what I know that I wrote. Yeah, I appreciate them showing Alec, um, American Legislative Exchange Commission, and we talked about them 
um, not a lot recently, but there were times where we were all they their names were always in our mouths as we was trying to show people that these are these are corporations coming together, pooling their resources to get legislation passed. So this is economic people activity area economics affecting politics. Number six and and pushing legislation they have written. And, you know, of course, they say, oh, this is just a suggestion. But they were training these politicians from these different states on how to go back and push that. They gave them workshops on how to sell this 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 slave uh, slavery legislation to the public and how to frame it and all that. So I thought that was very important. That is a key cog in modern day slavery and and how they're even fighting against the bill that has been introduced to abolish private prisons. What is it? The Justice is Not For Sale Act. Okay, now they concluded debate information from Hillary Clinton in them first debate. Am I Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump first debate? Am I am I am I clear? No, that was her and Bernie Sanders. So I was like, why didn't they mention the justice is not for sale act that would abolish private prisons? They left that out. Again, I'm not accusing anybody of deliberately hiding information. I understand that you only have a little a limited amount of time and and some people who might be overseers might be like, okay, no, we gotta cut this and, and cut that. But I thought that would have been a, a, a powerful representation, something to take note of for when we put out our documentaries and what have you. So I thought that was very important. They did a great service in explaining how modern slavery is legislated by corporations partnering with politicians, partnering with the U.S. government. You mentioned Charles Rangel. That made me mad. I was like, man, Charles, you know, he argued. This is what I wrote. Charles Rangel argued for harsh sentencing. And that came out his own mouth, I believe. And of course, they'll say, and I've heard uh, Republicans say this or right wingers say this. Oh, the people, but the black people was calling for it. Bill Clinton has said that, try to use that as an excuse when he so called right. apologizing right. for it at the same time. Well, they, they wanted it. They were begging us and they was hocked up on crack and all this and that. And, and so I was right. like, you know, that's an element, that's the proxy racist element right there and I appreciate that activist it was a heavy set uh, black woman with short hair um, I thought mm-hmm. her comments were frequently on, on point and she pointed out while probably not knowing that's what she was doing but she what she was talking about was proxy racism she said black people believed it too they so, still do yes and 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 so you know the whole criminalization that's what she was speaking on and i'm gonna leave yep. it off but i wrote i was glad that they kept mentioning starting with the birth of a nation how the media's role in in pop right. in, in justifying slavery against uh particularly black people so i'll leave it there and give other people a chance to uh, give you two guys a chance to come in again if you have any questions or comment give us a call at 641-715-3660-549-032 pound hit star six and one and come in on air go ahead guys well, I just want to start by reminding our listeners that you're listening to New Abolitionist Radio with Max Parker, Scott, and Yohannan, and Elijah here on BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com. And we're talking about 
the new film, the 13th, that just came out and made me do the name. Um, I believe that you're right. She uh, was uh, very instrumental in pointing out some of the truths that were going on there. I made 12 pages of notes, and I'll never get through them tonight, of course, but there were some things that stood out for me in particular. Right from the very beginning, for instance, Michelle Alexander. And this has always been my beef with Michelle Alexander. She's talking about stop mass incarceration when she helped coin the term. Like, you made it popular. <laughs> like, literally, you made it popular. So how you still on stop mass incarceration? Of course you're not going to say slavery. This is your term. So the first thing she said was we need to downsize our prison system. Now, see, that's a lawyer talking with politically correct terminology. Who the hell says something like that? Downsize our prison system? This is not a damn factory with people working at jobs, getting paid and going home, punching cards and going back home. That's not what it is. We're talking about modern-day slavery and human trafficking. We're talking about human beings locked in cages, sometimes not interacting with humans, other humans other than guards handcuffing them, as they said, for decades at a stretch, uh, like Brother Wallace, for instance. So for her to come out of her face and say some crazy terminology like we need to downsize our prison system says a lot for me. That, that bothered me. That was one of the things that were pissing me off. And then she, there was also a mention that during the emancipation, they said four million people were free, right? Four million people. Look at that in context today, man, with 24 million people going through our justice system every year. They focus on the 2.4 million who are in jail or in prison statically. Those bodies are in there consistently with almost 700,000 going in every year and uh, a little less than that coming out every year. So that's like a static number, but they didn't mention the 20, the 13 million people who are in jails are every year. Every year, 13 million bodies go through the jails. So they didn't mention the 2 million children who are arrested every year, for, uh, usually for drug violations or some petty crimes. So those things bother me. Uh, I, I was very happy, I guess, with the way they strung the historical context together with the presidents, uh, Nixon and Reagan and Clinton. But earlier I said, you know, I felt like I, I wrote that, and I did. It's in a article that I wrote called Blame the Presidents, where I literally broke down each president just like that. And I also did a four-part series on how these presidents were involved with modern-day slavery. So, again, you know, back to that downsize the prison system, that just blew my mind to even hear some terminology like that. Um, then I went and saw where they went in uh, with Reagan, where he defined a problem that did not exist. And that struck me as profound, too. You have to think about that. There was no problem with drugs at the time. Public opinion was fine. It was like, we don't really have a problem with drugs. But nonetheless, Ronald Reagan, working with these private prisons, because remember, he introduced the first private prison. And the media. And the media. That's very important. And with the media, this devious media, managed to create a problem that did not exist and then turned it into a war. And it wasn't a war on drugs. It was a war on black and brown bodies because those are the people who were paying for their, uh, for their sins, for the sins of these presidents. And another thing that also stayed constant throughout the film was the Southern vote strategy. 
where, you know, it seems like every time you have to get down on your knees and tell people that you are going to lock up as many black people as they want so they can elect you president. It's the same thing we see right now with Donald Trump out there using the Southern strategy, the uh, Southern vote strategy. That's true. Well, I say I've got 12 pages, and I don't want to just, you know, Yeah, ourselves. yeah, let's go Who ahead and, uh, let's take this call. Uh, we got a call, been hanging on for a couple of minutes. Uh, we appreciate you taking the time out to share with us here on New Abolitionist Radio, area code 910. Go ahead with your question or comment. How's it going, brothers? This is um, Brother Zion calling from Fayetteville, North Carolina. Greetings, Brother um, Zion. Yeah, greetings, Peace. I watched the um, the film and I've been listening to you guys. I say from since I'd say June, and a lot of the information I've been getting, you know, I'll be honest, you know, when I hear from y'all, it is it, it was the first time for a lot of it. So I've been, I was kind of happy with a lot of the content of the the film because of everything I've been hearing about different uh, organizations that are in co- cohorts with, with government to uh, ex- you know set laws out and make laws to, you know which which to me is unheard of you got companies and and politicians working together uh, but you know it, it's all I feel like is you know for the common goal is to put you know melanated people, Oppressed as as much as possible because if we all band together in a positive way, you know, we this 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 nation could be ours, and and I believe they fear that and they know that. But um, I don't, I don't really want to rant too much, but I was I was disappointed that they did not show like Mr. Reed said about the slave catchers. I was I was mm-hmm. hoping to see that part. I was. Ever since I've I've heard Mr. Reed talk about the film, and I've been putting it out there and telling people, man, you need to you need to check this out. And like he said, you know, they like the thirteenth what, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> I don't know, the thirteenth amendment. And I was like, well, what about it? And I was like, well, just come on, man, watch the film. Well, come over, watch the film with me, and and you know, different people would, I guess, different responses. You know, like I said before, I think certain people is, is still caught up in the matrix. They don't want to wake up to what's really going on, and, and it's a shame so that some of them I'm going to have to leave behind, but um, I, I don't you, know. I, 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 I'm still discouraged because all these shootings and everything, man, I I'm the type of person that I'm, I'm emotional. I'm an emotional guy, man, and I don't know these people, man, and I cry for every one of them, and it hurts me. And it's like I'm going through traumatic stress disorder, just yes, hearing yeah. everything. And and I'm and it's and the more I wake up, the more I really I I have to do something. I cannot sit here and watch another one of these snuff films and just sit back and and just take this in without moving. Indeed. Indeed. I feel you, brother. Uh, I keep do. making new abolitionists, brother. Keep making, keep creating new abolitionists, spreading that information and being that light that shines in the darkness and people will come when you lift that truth up, people will be drawn to that. Just keep doing what you're doing with the passion that you have because everybody can relate to passion. Not everybody may be willing 
or able to recognize or relate to slavery um, just for whatever reason. Not everybody may be willing or able at this exact moment to be able to relate to terrorism to maybe they see the, the, the lack of hope, maybe they see that they're benefiting and they just can't. It, all of those, there's so many different ways that this comes to people that they may not be ready. But the thing that every person can relate to and attach themselves to and be affected by is passion. Because everything that's living has passion in it. Everything that's yeah. alive has some passion. So as long as you're passionate about this and you remain passionate and on fire about it, be that light. Be the, the ones that are supposed to come will come. You're doing the right thing. Yes. Um, let, me, let me say this. Yes, sir. Hey, let me say this real quick. Excuse me, caller. Let me say this real quick. Brother Zion, yes, uh, we're going to do things a little bit different tonight um, than we normally do on our regular broadcast where we just take the caller and, and then we move on. We're just going to have an open forum, so I'm going to leave your mic open at any time uh, during the broadcast you want to chime in about something. Any caller, uh, we're going to have open lines, so you know you don't just have to say one thing and, and think that you won't get to say anything else. Let's have an open forum discussion on this film. Go ahead, Brother Zion. Thank you. Well, um, my my other comment was was really not about the film. It was, it was about it was about that letter and just y'all keep doing what y'all doing because y'all put y'all y'all put the spark in me. I didn't have this fire until I stumbled across you know Black Talk Radio. I, and I'll be honest, and it's like it's a fire that I I gotta give to somebody. I I gotta. <laughs> I gotta burn somebody else with this fire so they can know, man. So I'm gonna hold on, and and if something else that I feel like you know y'all spark that interest, man, I, then you know I'll chime in. But man, y'all just keep being that light for everybody, man. For especially for people like me, man. And I appreciate y'all every, every day, man. Thank you, brother. Uh, indeed, indeed. Thank you so much. That is our purpose here. Is to wake others up, uh, to learn ourselves. We're learning ourselves. We are not the no walls of everything. Every week we try to learn more, and we learn out loud so others can learn over our shoulders, so to speak, you know, and come to a conclusion. Truth is is very simple. It doesn't take a lot to tell the truth. It takes a lot to tell a lot. You have to have all kinds of little connections for the lies. But Anybody on the path of truth is always going to find themselves in the same location as their brethren. And when it comes to this slavery issue, that's the same thing. If you start looking and searching, you're going to come to the same conclusions as everybody else to see the same facts that lead you there. Johanan, did you well, have something well, back you wanted to uh, you know? Yeah, I was just going to take it back to, you know, what we were what we took away from the uh from the documentary itself, something else that struck me that, you know, knowing what I thought I knew about Angela Davis, it was interesting to hear her relating uh from, you know, the file footage of back in the day um that I hadn't seen before just talking about what she had seen as a child and being so closely related to right. the the Birmingham church to the bombing and knowing the family members and all of her family extended all intertwined with that situation. And it gave me a different perspective on how so many people, I mean, this is going to be the difference. This is going to, this is always going to be the difference. And this goes itself back to slavery plantation times 
uh, as well the organic heads that rise up when you have the organic leaders that come that are born into the community see the problem grow up realize the situation feel the pain recognize the terrorism see that their hope is is cut short by the idea and the plan for their life that this oppressor has set in place they know all of these things and as they grow up people can see okay this is somebody that's affected by this it's a leader naturally in our community and what we're lacking now a lot of those people that you saw commenting in the in the film those are figureheads that have been sewn on to the black bodies those are not the organic leaders and that's again going back to the point that they were making about how many organic leaders were removed by being framed up and thrown in prisons by being run out of the country and into hiding that's a that's a huge factor with what we're dealing with right now so again with this this whole breakdown of this film you don't see the things that we're talking about that we're identifying with so easily we all see what was missing because you're 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 coming from a standpoint a perspective of and you're hearing on this on this podcast the organic leaders and members of the community the people that actually are a part of it and realize it and come out of their own volition to say look something has got to change versus somebody that was tapped on the shoulder and say hey this is what we need you to say this is what this is the guidelines this is what we need you to do this is the money that's going to help this happen now you go out and go do this and like was mentioned earlier here's here's your plate of butter biscuits because at the end of the day all of these people speaking have some interest that is not slavery that they're speaking out about that's the whole point that's why you see what you saw in that film the people that are speaking have some other interest that is not in slavery or in the abolition of it I would like to um, talk about codification and um, from a black perspective again from a black perspective let me say this my study of the abolition movement in the United States from, from the earliest beginnings all that we have had various abolitionists of different quote unquote racial classifications which if you go to the Virginia slave codes in the 1600s that is the first time that I identified racial language in any of, of the code and what have you uh, legislation and whatnot. and it started stripping it not only laid down parameters of how the slave patrol was to operate and, 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 and the uh, other stuff, minutia of it, but it also started stripping um, African Americans. I'm talking about colonists. They would have been colonists at the time. These were not enslaved Africans. These were African people who had immigrated here like other people and laid down some roots and, and what have you. And, and their story is always uh, mentioned. But there have always been white, black women men it, it, it's uh, it's been all hands on deck and i saw back then i mean i can only read the stories and uh, accounts and and the records and stuff like that and they did have differences no no doubt i think frederick Douglass fell out one time with one of them white abolitionists what was it that, uh he's mentioned more than anybody else William Lloyd Harris, uh, Garrison. say his name him, again him and Garrison. william lloyd garrison had a falling out yeah, uh, William Lloyd Garrison uh, felt that we could have no union with slaveholders 
and Frederick Douglass wanted integration. He wanted one America. Okay, so so I mean, you're going to have disagreements with people, but what I felt like is if black people, those classified by the system as black, okay, um, if we could have ended slavery on our own for whatever, I still feel like we could, but for whatever reason, we haven't. The record has shown we have not been able to solve this problem on our own. And even when I and, and that's not anything unique to us, even the racist and I, you know, I'm trying to change my language. I just call them racist crackers because I don't want to give them use any words to describe people that give them my energy and power. And I am not recognizing that they are superior over me because they're not because I know the historical uh, 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 record. And, and so, you know, even the racist crackers that run the United States government all throughout their wars, anything that they do, they need allies. And so I felt like I was having a conversation earlier today. I don't know the racial classification of this person, but he's a member of the uh, uh, the IWOC. And, you know, again, I kind of felt like, um, well, the prison strikes. What's the name of the workers, international workers, of the IWW Committee for uh, Prison Slavery, I believe. Incarcerate? No, it's incarcerated workers of America. Organizing committee, something like that. So me and him was the having IWW a back and forth. Incarcerated workers organizing committee. Me and him was going back and forth about it, and I was like, okay, as a black person. Yeah, I want to see black pain acknowledged. But then as an abolitionist who wants to see progress towards eliminating the problem, I'm going falling back on Needy Fuller about when you're communicating to non-black people that you don't use racialized language. Okay, and I think that is something that people in codification, okay, and it ain't ignoring black pain or anything like that. But in terms of codification, I felt like they shouldn't have racialized it and made it seem like it was a black only thing because there are white prisoners. We report on on new abolitionist radio, uh, uh, enslaved white people who get murdered by the uh, plantation overseas. And so I, and we have a very diverse abolitionist movement that we have cultivated. I can barely hear you with the echo going on. Okay, let me, um, Max, that, that echo is coming off of Johanna's line. So, Johanna, I'm sorry, let me mute you, bro. I'll unmute you um, again, and sometimes that'll clear it up. So, let me start over. Um, not start over, but um, my last point was is that we have all the, the uh, abolitionists community that we cultivated online, mainly on Facebook, which the group moved to abolish uh, 21st century slavery. I look recently after I added some new members to the group is up over 3000 now. And, and, and to be a member of this group, you have to request to join. We just don't add people. Y'all know how they do on social media. Just add you to stuff. You ain't even request to be part of it and, and all of that. No, you have to, you read our mission statement and you have to request you're coming in with the understanding that you understand slavery was not abolished and you are part of a new abolitionist movement, the new abolitionist movement. And I'm not just going to limit that to just black folks. 
We need all hands on deck. And so in order to get progress, I do think Mr. Neely Fuller was on to something in terms of when we're talking to the general public, which we going to need the general public, whether we're talking about in Colorado repealing the exception clause from the 13th Amendment of their, not the 13th Amendment, whatever the, it is, the amendment is in their constitution that allows for slavery. Look, that's on the ballot in November coming up in a, in a few weeks here to remove the exception clause from it. And so if we was to take, undertake a monumental task of actually getting the exception clause removed from the 13th Amendment constitution, Come on, let's be honest with ourselves. Do you think black people can accomplish that without any help whatsoever? I don't think so. I could be wrong. Maybe we can. Maybe we do have it in us. Maybe we'll get focused and pool our money and resources and then start buying our politicians and writing our legislation, our abolitionist legislation. You know, and and there are efforts like that going on uh, right now but in terms of talking to the public I feel like you have to for let me just put it like I put to that guy and he asked me if he could quote me on their website and and I'm paraphrasing what I said because I don't want to pull it up but I just simply said that I don't want to see less black people enslaved I don't want to see them I mean less uh, black people than white people enslaved I don't want to see anybody enslaved period point blank period because like mr fuller pointed out whenever you speak the r word and you say racism we know it's racism we know that they know it too don't think they don't know so us telling us telling them this is racism ain't bringing nothing new to the to the game Okay, they know better than you what racism is because they invented it, okay? And, and, and they live by it daily. So why even bring that up? Because they're going to immediately go into denial mode. So let's not racialize slavery. Let's say that it has come full circle like to the early 1600s where Irish people were enslaved. Very small number, but the fact remains that they were enslaved, and they had a reform of slavery, okay, a reform of slavery. How did they reform slavery? Well, when those white, again, the racial classifications was not yet invented, but when the white and Africans and, and, and whatnot united in Bacon's rebellion against a wealthy plantation owner who was white from England, of the aristocracy and what have you, and so they, they they refined slavery. They cut a deal with them white slaves and said, look, y'all get to be slave patrollers. So y'all ain't got to be in bondage no more. But look, we making a lot of money off of this. We will cut you in. We willing to pay the cost to continue this. We are willing to pay. And so and they cut them in. And that's when we start seeing racial classifications in the reset or the reform of slavery and now it's just only black people African descended people can be enslaved so now fast forward it to 2016 and I can point you to a number of white victims of slavery so slavery has just come full circle in America so I hope people don't get offended I am not trying to deny 
the pain of black people because we suffered the most. I wouldn't have started a black talk radio network or call my radio program Black Talk Radio News and say I'm coming from a black perspective if I wasn't down, if I wasn't black first. But I'm trying to make progress. I'm trying to uh, 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 figure out ways and means through all nine areas of the people activity and primarily politics to start unraveling uh, uh, this racist system, this racist system of slavery that that uh, really is impacting all of us in one way or another. And it ain't impacting us in a good way unless you in the slavers class. So I didn't mean to go on a rant like that. So um, we still have an hour to go. So if you would like to well, call in and offer your opinion, yes, you can ask a question. Please go ahead. Um, so let me ask, I guess this question to anyone, whoever want to pick up on it. Um, what would be your perspective on the video itself to someone who, say, isn't aware of um, the the clauses and all of the, the deception that's going on that maybe this video is the first time that they saw or getting any of this information where would you rate the video for that for them in that order on a scale of one to ten let, let, let me lay out the parameters and just restate back to you what I think you said um, 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 I think you're asking me in terms of a, a virgin eye, somebody who's never heard this before, where would you rate this film and in introducing them to this knowledge? So on a scale, is, is that correct? That is very correct. So on a scale of one to 10, I would give it a six. I would give it a six. Okay. And I give it, I may even will give it a seven because they do show the intricacies of slavery without really calling it slavery. Again, the mass incarceration, I'm a stickler for the correct language. Um, but um, right. but uh, the very, very fact that they even show the 13th Amendment in text and a guy quoted the 13th Amendment, that's planting seeds right there. This film planted seeds. Like, I think that was you I was telling the other day about when you try to talk to people and they be like, I oh, don't, you crazy conspiracy theory or, yeah, you know, it seemed me. like they reject. And I was like, no, don't look at it that way. You planted a seed. You planted some information. Whether they responded to it in the correct way or not, that information got, got embedded in their brain computer, you know, to, to use a metaphor. They still heard it. It, they did it did go into their psyche or what and so right now they're rejecting it but then they might come along later and they might oh the 13th let me see this 13th and then they see you know that film and they read the 13th amendment that they do show and the one guy does quote and then they'll be like man zion was right let me go back to Zion and see if I can get a deeper understanding of this. So you see what I'm saying is about planting seeds. The other person will come put some water on that seed and then who knows, it yeah. might sprout up into an abolitionist. So I, I would, I go ahead and give the film a seven. Okay. I would, uh, I would say differently. Um, I wouldn't measure it on a scale of one ten. I would measure it on a scale of what is available. Like where can you get this information? And based on, the uh, information that is out there, how does it rate in that? 
So I would say it's among the top of the uh, uh, charts with, with that. I mean, one of the, the best ones that I've ever seen was Slavery by Another Name. And I would put this next to that as, so, in a way of Max, explaining let me it ask to you people this. who do not know. Let me ask you this, Max. And Johanna, I'm going to unmute your line, bro, and let you get in here. But, um, Max, let me ask you this. So uh, when you say you would put it on the top, you would put it on the top of what? Because I wouldn't put it over anything you have produced. So you're talking about corporate sponsors. the top of the list is mainstream media that has made available information such as this, whether it be through uh, movies or documentaries. Okay, And gotcha. uh, there's not a lot of them out there. This is a new phenomenon that we've helped to introduce into American society. So these, there's not a lot of things out there like that talking about this in the way that they're speaking of it. So in the small group of presentations that are available, this is among the best. Johanna, you have some thoughts? I mean, I have to look, I can look at it, I guess, from both perspectives. I mean, I always value you know both of you you guys uh you know when you come from almost opposite ends uh to to and support your points i mean i could definitely see where you come from scotty as far as giving it a strong you know strong endorsement uh for being what it is um and i feel like coming you know brother you asked the question the caller to ask the question i feel like you you in this with us i mean you you out here doing abolitionist work we we know different than you. I mean, Scotty knows what it costs, literally, to produce the network and to produce this program for years. He knows what the sacrifice is to put the information out there, blood, sweat, and tears, literally through sickness and health, feeling good, feeling bad, family issues, you know, whatever. Max, the same way. Myself, the same way. I mean, I've literally, you know, left right from work and and walking home and been on the program with traffic going by and you know I've been I've been through whatever to get to get this information out so we all know from a certain perspective how difficult it can be to just get this message out and how much is against us to stop this and silence it so from that perspective absolutely I give it I give it a, a, a an A because hell it's hell to get this out there so I give it an A yeah. in, in this day and time in this environment but then like Max said I mean you know to be honest about it is it going to save our life is it going to end slavery no so yeah. I, I mean <laughs> it's a tough one man it's a tough one I want people to watch it and I think that it is very educational. Uh, shout out to my brother Christopher Johnson in Rhode Island, as a matter of fact, who is right now the nominee to be the state poet laureate. And he said earlier today, I've watched this thing three times today. That tells you how educational it is. So that's coming from the uh, prospective poet laureate of uh, Rhode Island, Christopher Johnson that he feels it is very educational. And he's not new to this. I've known his brother for like a two, two decades, and we've talked about these things in detail. And we worked side by side with the Freedom Foundation and putting together presentations about this. So he's very aware that he thought that this was uh, among the best, and he watched it three times in a row today. So it will wake you up. But if you was to say that somebody watched this, I would put a caveat with it. Watch this, and then let me tell you already that abolition is the answer. 
because they never come with an answer. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's implied thing. It just tells you what the problems are and how the problems right. can be. And they point it all to the 13th Amendment, which is all well and fine and correct, but there's no solutions offered. So the solution right. is abolition, just as like it has always been. Now, one of yeah, the Max, things... I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just agreeing with Max on that. That was something that, that I had forgotten was a point uh, that I noticed about it as well, is that there wasn't anything suggested as to what we can do, which to me, I took it when I was watching it and meditating on it later on, like, if you're not trying to give us an answer, then that shows me a lack of a commitment to 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 you identifying what the problem really is. Um, I have a question. My question is, help me with my memory, guys. I've been kind of under some stress today with technical issues, so my memory, and it was the first thing I watched when I got up. But again, they were strong on the drug war. I appreciate that history, too, and, and the fact that Nixon started the drug war to target black people for slavery and to also target white people who were anti-war, who did not think the United States should be going around uh, into Vietnam killing uh, non-white people and whatnot. So, I've, yeah, that, that was deep right there because there are still a lot of people mean, who mean well who mean well, but they still are trapped in that propaganda of the drug war. They probably grew up under Nancy Reagan in school and, you know, just say no and all of that. And they just had, they just anti-drug. And I understand where that's coming from. But when we're talking about substances like cannabis and even wine, certain alcohol has shown to have medicinal benefits. I think like the French who drink a lot of wine, uh, have the lowest rates for heart disease and clogged arteries and all of that because wine has properties that clean out your arteries when you're eating all that fatty food and what have you. And so uh, there are some people who will be even against that. They will ban that. You know, people drinking wine and they will have control over you. And if you make some wine like we used to do during the Gulf War because alcohol is banned in Saudi Arabia and we was making wine out of rice. And so uh, uh, but then I can put you in slavery because you like wine, you know, because you you want to go ahead and, and make wine. And, you know, maybe it ain't because you want to get drunk and it. Maybe the science does show it has medicinal benefits. But no, no, we're there are too many other people that abuse it. And so we just going to take it from everybody, you know, to ignore the science of cannabis and all the medicinal benefits and to be against the legalization of cannabis, which I would say is the number one slave code legislation they use to make new slaves. The data doesn't lie. This isn't propaganda. It isn't that I want people all to uh, just have easy access to weed or whatnot. I don't try to control people's lives like that. And, and so, so I appreciate in the film how they went from Nixon to Reagan, even Charles Reagan, Rangel, he was down with Nancy. They, you know, he he admits to it. I was down with Nancy, and this whole and and they kept talking about the media, the media, the media, the media. Again, Malcolm X said media is the most powerful entity on the face of the planet. It controls the minds of the masses. It make the innocent look guilty and the guilty look innocent. And they talked about that, the birth of the nation, how Woodrow Wilson had the Klan. He helped popularize the Klan. 
So here you showing black people this film is making them to be the enemy, you know, the villains, and then making the terrorists look like, oh, they the white knights and, and, and riding in on a horse to save the white woman. And, uh, oh, man, we cannot underestimate the role of media, which is why when I saw, heard that quote from Malcolm X and heard him talk about it on a YouTube video, uh, I, I've dedicated my life to the production of counter-racist, anti-slavery media. So I said enough. I let somebody else speak. But please give us a call if you're out there. Um, if you've had any have any questions, um, we're we willing to consider all opinions because we're all coming from different places with different experiences. And so the more opinions, the more views that we have, the better it will go towards putting our finger on the problem. But uh, tonight, I ain't got a guess. I can just tell you it's slavery with with 100% uh, confidence that that is the problem, slavery. Okay, uh, that number is 641-715-3660. The participant code is 549-032-POUND. Just hit star six and one if you would like to speak. I'm turn it over to Max. Uh, I just want to read there's a that echo. I just want to reiterate that you're listening to New Abolitionist Radio on BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com. We're talking about the 13th film that just came out and uh, Modern Day Slavery and Human Trafficking. There was a couple of points in the film that I found contradictory. One was when Van Jones was speaking towards the uh, third quarter of it, and he was saying, about how we are so weak at this time to fight these battles, and you know the question would be how how why is it that we are so weak? And just a few minutes earlier, they had shown why, you know, with for instance, Brother Hampton being murdered in his own home. Oh yeah, uh, with his pregnant wife in the bed. They were killing our leaders. They were literally killing them, murdering them in their homes and in their beds, just like they recently did with Corinne Gaines. And those who were not leaders and were followers were being incarcerated. So they were leaving the family broken, leaderless, and without direction. So if you were wondering why are we so weak, you just that question was answered before that even came along. Then it was another thing that I came in, and maybe it's, it only means something to me, but as a person of multiracial descent, a child of the diaspora uh, who has... My, my heritage runs not only through the black community, but also through the native community and also through the white community. Uh, hearing some of the phrases that were being made in the 70s and what they believed during the Nixon era, it's just heartbreaking because that in itself is a tragedy that nobody ever speaks about. At one point, I remember in there they were saying mulatto mongrels would create a class of monstrous people. And that's how they saw us back then. Like, you know, the product of blacks and whites coming together were monsters and Frankensteins and all of these things. Recently, I even saw a Fox News report where that uh, young blonde-haired white girl, I forget her name, the one that hates black people so much, was on with uh, Tommy Sotomayor, um, or whatever his name is, who is a self-hating black man and does nothing but bash black uh, people. What, he's on Fox News now? Yeah, he was on Fox Frickin' News. And they were talking there, and this little white girl comes out and says about Jesse, uh, what's the brother's last name that spoke at the award ceremony? Jesse Williams. Yeah, Jesse Williams 
See, he's just another half-white person coming out here trying to defend his white side by pretending to be black. And, you know, we don't never even talk about that in our community. We don't never talk about the issues that go through with the separations of ourselves from each other. We disown our own children. Even Umar Johnson has put out documentaries talking about how he disowned his alleged great-grandfather simply because his uh, bloodline, Frederick Douglass, included white blood. He was raped, his, or rather his mother was raped by her master, and that disqualifies him from being the greatest black leader we've ever had. We don't talk about those things much. We just hear little snips of them where they call us monstrous mongrels. I personally stood in Texas at a community uh, gathering where we talked about these things in detail. I had a brother stand up and call me these things to my face, a Frankenstein monster that should not exist. Those are one of the things that we really need to consider. We need to stop looking at our children as some kind of freaking monster. There's 30 million of us, like me, 30 million of us. And what general would disown them? What general would send them out and say, you're not part of us, when we shared the same damn lineage that you did? And even differently at some points, they bred us, bred us like animals to be pretty enough so they could sell us like whores or as workhorses. So that, that was one of the things that bothered me. It was only a snippet that came out, but it's always just a snippet. Nobody really cares about that. Let me come offer some commentary on that. And I have talked about it, and I think I was touching upon it earlier, but you know, the whole light skin versus dark skin or team dark versus team light, that ain't that's just foolishness. That's foolishness. And then, you know, I I fell out um or I cut off. Well, I ain't gonna say I cut him off, but uh he defriended me because Cleo Monago, the same gender loving black man, uh very melanated that you will see on uh what's that with Roland Martin uh, News One, uh when he was on that light skin privilege stuff. I'm like, look, dude, I'm light skinned. You see my picture. Uh, this ain't never been an issue when I brought you onto my program, and I didn't bring you on my program to to insult you about <laughs> your sexual lifestyle or anything like that. I came to hear from you about how in the gay community they practice racism, or I brought you on to talk about uh, other things unrelated to sexuality but related to racism and what have you. But then... You know, for you to be putting out to your people, the people who look to you as a leader, uh, as a knowledgeable person, to be talking about, like, I have received some kind of special privilege because of my light skinness, uh, uh, the skin, my skin color is nonsense. My brother is just as light as me. They made 10 years of slave out of him. And so then I'm looking at all of these abolitionists that are known as black abolitionists. But if you do the research that we done, you will find that many of them were biracial as a product of rape. And and then some of them were Native American and uh, uh, African. Paul Cuffey, people that don't know about him. That man, what's that? My family, Paul Cuffey. Paul, Cuff yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right. Paul Cuffey, 
um, Native American. His mother, uh, Mo, what was her name? Ruth Moses was her name, I believe it was. And um, her and and uh, he changed his name. Well, anyway, yeah, his father was African. Formerly had been enslaved, but had gotten his freedom and married a Native American, an Indigenous person. I forget what tribe they they identified as, but he was looked. He was called mulatto and all this and that. But you guess what that mulatto did? Okay, with any so-called privilege he had. Okay, he was an abolitionist and he was working to get other people free. He became one of the richest men during his time on the fleet of ship. And I'm sure they were smuggling enslaved Africans to safety and freedom. Okay, and he was the largest employer of free black people. So when I, I'm like, man, all of these different abolitionists that have mixed parentage and all this and that, and have, and then I think on the context of white supremacy, they did a book study uh, one time. I can't remember the title of the book, but it was like one of those slave narrative books where, you know, you, you're hearing about what happened to people. And it was talking about, and then I read this for myself. They do you let me put first let me say about the book where they were talking about the terrorism, the sexual terrorism of that one character or person in that book uh, about white men because they found her more desirable than a dark skinned woman. Okay, so those women were always but lit, I read this. There were in the sixteen hundreds, they were taking Irish women and mating them with African males because they liked that exotic look and they, and, and, and they were especially hoping for females and then uh, grooming them to be sex slaves. So don't talk to me about any kind of uh, light skin privilege based on somebody's melanation uh, and what have you. I have been the target of terrorism just as, as much as anybody else out there and our family has too. So, uh, you know, we need to quash that because all that is doing is helping the enslavers. It it is. And it's telling 30 million people that you're not part of our family and we don't want you to be part of our family. And that has to stop. It has to stop. We have experienced the same damn things you've experienced over and over and even different things that you have not experienced. There's, I've never had any privilege that I've known of. I've been treated just like another nigga, just like everybody else. Didn't matter what my skin color was. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I, I digress. Uh, my, those Max, other parts of film. I got a couple of clips that I want to play. This first clip is about uh, two minutes and, and 30 seconds as we into into this last 30 minutes. So, uh, you know, just to give y'all a soundbite for those who have not seen it, I hope we did not spoil the film for you. It is worth the watch. I'm still going to, to, to you know, recommend it. I'm just a stickler for words, man. Words are important. That's one thing I learned from people on Black Talk Radio Network. It's the importance of words and using the correct language. So that's basically the issue that I have. But everything that they showed was factual 
and it showed the different elements of of how they keep the slave system running. I just wish, you know, again, I don't know what their budget was, how much time they were limited to. I, I, I just think it could have been more stronger visuals, like showing the first slave catcher's badge and the slave catcher's chasing down people because there are photographs and stuff or drawings of stuff like that that they call it art. See, they, 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 they again, these are special kind of evil people that they didn't see nothing wrong they like art created art showing them terrorizing black people so i mean this is crazy man it's crazy but let me go ahead and uh just let the listeners know that you are tuned in to new abolitionist radio which airs regularly on wednesday nights at eight o'clock p.m eastern time on blacktalkradionetwork.com and um, if you would like to join the conversation in this last 30 minutes or last 28 minutes, the telephone number is 641-715-3660. The participant code is 549-032-POUND. Just hit star six and one to join uh, the conversation. All viewpoints are, are welcome. All we ask for is that we be respectful to one another. And if this is a clip from the film. Um, I didn't have time because I was having those issues earlier to label everything. And so, but I'm just going to straight up play the clip. So this is a clip, two minutes and 40 something seconds from the film. Today, our state penitentiaries are filled to the brim and overflowing with inmates. When I think of systems of oppression, uh, historically in this country and elsewhere, they're durable and they tend to reinvent themselves and they do it right under your nose. One of the things they want to do is GPS monitoring. Having a home confinement system for juveniles I think is a great thing because it forces the parents to take responsibility and step up. Prisons would be more embedded in our homes. Some of them be monitored on GPS and things like that. So folks won't be locked up in a cage in a cell inside of an institution but they will have ankle bracelets on. They have wrist braces on. Would that help to solve the prison overcrowding problem? Absolutely. And what I worry about is that we fall asleep at the wheel, wake up, and realize that we may not have people in prisons, in rural communities all over America, but that we're incarcerating people right in their communities. That is what I see, what, what a lot of the focus is on, is taking people from prison, putting them in community corrections, parole and probation, and really investing in those programs. How much progress is it really if communities of color are still under perpetual surveillance and control, but now there's a private company making money off the GPS monitor, rather than the person being locked in a literal cage. If we can help you save crime victims in your legislative district, you don't mind me making a dollar. And so Alec continues to be a body that, while it may have some really strong rhetoric on why it supports crime reform now, suddenly, uh, sort of out of the blue, uh, it, it actually has real financial interests. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. If you're in the prison business, uh, you don't want reform. You may say you do, but you don't. And there are a bunch of people out there desperately trying to make sure that that prison population does not drop one person because their economic model needs that. 
Prison industrial complex refers to the system of mass incarceration and companies that profit from mass incarceration. That includes both operators of private prisons, which get a lot of attention, as well as a vast sea of vendors. From Securus Technologies that supplies telephone services that made 114 million in, in profits last year. Those calls to family and friends are costing a pretty penny in state prisons. They inflate the price that they charge the inmate and the inmate's family. For example, in Maryland, if you earn minimum wage, you'd have to work an hour and a half to afford a 10-minute phone call. All right, that's one of the clips, and as... um. Uh, just, I'm gonna say this real quick. I talked about the uh, reform of slavery in the 1600s, where it didn't matter what your skin color was, but it was based on your nationality and you know whether or not the British had conquered your land. And now they gonna do what the hell they want to do. All right. Uh, much sort of like the United States does today in these lands. But they re- when people rose up against it, slavery back then, they reformed it. And so now it's black-only slavery, okay? And so then, you know, went up to the Civil War, and it was largely, you know, as individuals, uh, white people could, well, anybody really could own, as long as you weren't enslaved, obviously, but anybody could own another human being and hold them in bondage, hold them into slavery. So then a bunch of people said no. Mostly the victims said no. And the abolitionist was agitating for war, violence. Okay, John Brown, dumb types, and and, and like uh, Frederick Douglass said, you know, the people that, that depreciate agitation is those who want crops without the rain and thunder, you know, who don't want to do the work of plowing up the ground and all of that. So there were people agitating for war against the South to end slavery. It wasn't a whole bunch of passive uh, uh, people. There were some who were nonviolent. There were others by any means necessary. Okay, and so the culmination of that already laid out was the betrayal. The Lincoln betrayal is what I'll term it or call it. The Lincoln betrayal where now it's reformed once again. And now, you know, you got to go through the, the criminal court system and you can, as a private person, lease these slaves out from the state. Now, now. Coming up to 2016, as there's another outcry against slavery, even if they're not calling it slavery, now they're trying to reform it again. Now you're going to be enslaved inside your own dang gone home. Okay, so I just want to say that about that clip. Yeah, it was an interesting, uh, interesting clip. Um, several points within that but uh one of the things that i did take uh take a mental note on was the idea of like the difference between reforming and abolishing uh is kind of example you know in in what they were saying as far as you know even if we migrate from uh a prison walls type of of you know institutions and in 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 situation in america and go into just incarcerating people within the community, well, then that's going to be where you see plantation slavery, the original penitentiaries, because slavery was, I mean, kidnapping people and bringing them here and enslaving them was a, was a, 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 a an unspoken, I guess, 
belief or accepted term that they were somehow criminal. They somehow deserved it. I mean, you wouldn't take somebody that, that wasn't a savage or wasn't uh, uh, what were they doing? Like when they had the papal bulls, the Pope would say, you know, these people are not saved. They're not uh, Christians. So then they, you know, we got eminent domain. We get to take their land, resources, take them as slaves and whatever because they're not they're not of the church. So there was some kind of a criminal association, you know, always attached to taking over people's lands and taking them as slaves or creating genocide against them, you know, in whole or in part. So saying that to say, like, that was the first was the plantations and the slave system as we knew it. And then as we talk about the, the migration to the prison walls and what goes on inside of there, the slavery still there, the labor being performed there, free or slave wage forced on these people, even if you bring it back out and put it in the communities, then I think we're going to see it still be a plantation-type setup as those entire communities, just like they got million-dollar blocks now, where they've sucked all the life out of the neighborhood and put it all into prisons, well, they will still criminalize these people and then have them set up in some types of programs that will be profitable. Like you heard this, the, the soundbite from the old man that was talking at that Alec conference where he was saying, hey, if I can help you with your crime situation, you don't mind if I make a few dollars, do you? Like, this is the reality of it. So I think that's really one of the big differences in and what I was thinking at the time, a big difference in reform versus abolition right there, a prime example. You cannot reform slavery. You cannot have a conversation about reforming terrorism. You have to be in a war to end slavery, to end terrorism. So they can't move it out of the prisons, back into the communities, and still be enslaving people. They have to end the system that they're using. Absolutely, brother. It has to end. Um, we've only got about, I don't know, a little over 15 minutes left, and there was a lot of stuff that, uh, like I said, I wrote down 12 pages of different notes <clears throat> that I, that I, I caught, caught my eye. I think just in conclusion, what I saw today was a very powerful presentation. For the uh, layman, this will open your eyes and will make you want to know more. And if you want to know more, you can tune into New Abolitionist Radio. You can check our archives. Like the brother said yesterday, who called in with his testimony, he used to listen to music every day at work, and now he listens to New Abolitionist Radio every day at work, even going back to listen to things again in case he missed something, not because uh, it changes the world, but because it changes him, because it changes his mind, and he needs to know more so he knows how to react to these circumstances. So what we heard today, what I heard today, from a non-layman's term, someone who knows all about these circumstances, and is probably one of the primary reasons that it even exists to begin with in this conversation, was a bunch of talking heads who can't say out loud that this is slavery. Like, you even got Michelle Alexander talking about downsizing the prison system like she's talking about laying off workers from a job. If you can't say this is slavery, you definitely can't come up with a solution to it because you don't even know what the problem is. And you can't reform something like slavery that is a crime, as Johanna just said. Now, there was other points in there that I would like to, uh, just to point out real quick, like where they mentioned that there's never been a time when police were not enemies of the people, when they weren't working as slave catchers to put more people in prison, 
I don't think that was focused on enough, but again, I understand the time restraints. And I wish at some point, just one person, whoever it may have been, whether it be Brian Stevenson or someone else, would have said, this is slavery, and I am an abolitionist. That would have made my day. Unfortunately, that did not happen. But I, I don't want to say it's, you shouldn't watch it. I want you to watch it, and I want others to watch it. Because as I said earlier, for the layman, this will open up your eyes. And I understand when it comes to us here in the abolitionist radio and the abolitionists now across the world, we are head and sure when it comes to this issue. And those who produce this are behind and uncertain. We need to bring them to certainty. And that's what we're going to work on, bringing them to certainty. You can help do that as a listener simply by learning more and telling others. And eventually we'll have this problem solved. Another uh, another uh, point that um, I noticed that was good that they mentioned was a few of them uh, uh, chimed in on the fact that uh, there's there's virtually no trial system uh, in the country anymore, and then to even tied that to Khalif Browder's death, uh, his being incarcerated at, on Rikers without even having charges. Uh, brought against him for over three years, two of those in solitary confinement, and then talking about how, how he ended up dying as a result of, you know, just his involvement overall. But to hear several of them speak on, um, they even quoted a number like 97%, so that they know what we know, and uh, they, they, they're aware of it on a state and federal level. And they talked about giving the prosecutors power and taking the power away from judges. Um, a lot of those those aspects of what they discussed, I was happy to hear that, and mm-hmm. um, definitely you know ties into what you what you're talking about, Max being able to. And, and again, you know, maybe this was just a, a blessing in disguise for for the true abolitionist movement. You know, they teed it up on a on a major scale. This is something we should be able to hit out the park. You know, just following even the, the things we've discussed on this program tonight, but surely by analyzing this this movie more thoroughly and just pulling apart different things, they teed it up because we could easily go from talking about um, uh, that very aspect, we could very easily uh, go right into showing the, the true factual history of policing in America, slave patrolling, slave catching, revenue generation uh, for local municipalities right on into the state because they highlighted Ferguson and talked about how the people uh, were not, you know, entirely rioting and, and rebelling because of the death of Michael Brown, but the people themselves were, were letting it be known they saw themselves as versions of Michael Brown, that they all were, were under the terroristic uh, onslaught of the police as they had over 37,000 open arrest warrants out for a town of 27,000 people, and as we've talked about on New Abolitionist Radio, if you've got 27,000 people in that town, it's reasonable to imagine there's a couple of thousand of old people that ain't going nowhere and ain't doing nothing, so the warrants ain't on them, and there's got to be uh, at least four or 5,000 little children up to teens that are not quite you know, in the system and driving and out there. So, I mean, if you took out five to 7,000 out of 27,000, you get about 20,000 people, and I think that's a generous estimate with over 37,000 open arrest warrants standing against them, plus all the cities around Ferguson. 
those people had to travel not only out of Ferguson but through all sorts of other little small towns to get to St. Louis to get to work day in day out so um, I think there's a, a lot of room to tie all of what we saw in the film uh, the history you know like they went back to birth of a nation went back to the 13th amendment you know and all of these you know the 150 year kind of timeline I think we can go back 300 years I think we can take it back to the 1600s. I think we can take it back to the 1700s and various fugitive slave acts and various state laws and take this thing all the way back and show the police involvement and compliance with racist, race-based policing and terrorizing of, of people of color and right on into today. So it, it, I feel in the overall my summation of it is there was room for it to, to be improved on and that room was just left just so perfectly for us just sitting there on the tee. I, I'm looking forward to us yeah, knocking I it I agree all with out. Max. I do agree with Max's statement that it's the best of anything out there put out by the mainstream media. Okay, so I, I will go along with that in terms of giving, connecting all the dots, so to speak, and again, time constraints, I'm, I'm aware of those, but connecting all the dots in a straight line and again using kiss keep it simple stupid um i i would give it a seven on a on a scale of ten but again it is the best thing that is out there that has been put out by mass media and we hope that millions of people will watch it because all it took for me let me you know so hey look if all it took for me was to read the 13th amendment I don't know how the the ideal even popped into my head. I, you know, I was sitting here in front of this computer or something and reading something and probably read something about something <laughs> or they might have mentioned the 13th and I went and read the 13th for the first time in my life four years ago, four years ago. And it was, bam, I was instantly an abolitionist because I understood slavery had not been abolished. So I'm sure... If that's all it took for me, this hour and a half long documentary, even if they weren't always using all the correct language, but the very fact that they presented the ideal should convert some new abolitionists. So uh, right. I, I applaud her. I ain't got no uh, special effects, the claps and what have you, but I, I applaud her. Indeed, brother. Indeed. Uh, one of the highlights on there was uh, exposing Alex, too, I think. Alex, where they, you know, the private club where corporations and politicians get together and these corporations write the laws. And then showing how CCA for 20 years was a member of Alex, literally writing our laws. So we had a prison company whose main goal is to incarcerate more people for profit, writing our laws to the point where one congressman, and uh, the house was in debate didn't even bother to take off the Alec logo <laughs> like they were just copying and pasting and putting these bills through which were being written by corporations mm -hmm. and the only thing you had to do was insert your name or the name of your state into their bills and then put it through and that's how we got these three strike laws that's how we got minimum sentencing and these companies now known as which were known as Whack and Huck Corrections Corporations they did not go into detail at all about that. They didn't mention how in 1994, 
while the Clintons were pushing the omnibus crime bill, whacking her corrections corporation launched, launched its initial public offering. And within four years, their stock had multiplied tenfold. They did mention at one point how the guards were showing up at work and they had a neon sign telling them how many, uh, how their stocks were growing consistently, but they didn't go into detail about the company itself and how it came to be today. A global giant, and I don't say that lightly, it is a global giant where just one subsidiary, G4S, is the largest private employer on the entire continent of Africa. These private prisons are not just an American problem, this is a model guaranteed for success, as they said in the video. And this model has been exported across the world. And that means that slavery has been exported from America back across the world. One last thing before I forget that really, 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 I, I, I mean above all, it just came to my remembrance that stood out to me. And was the brother's first name Mr. Stevenson? Brian Stevenson. Yeah, Brian Stevenson. And didn't y'all didn't Max you have some words with him or some communications with him or has he been on the program yes. before? We're scheduling a meeting as we speak. Uh, we've been having problems because of the weather going on, the storm. But I was supposed to meet with them yesterday. But I'm talking about prior uh, to this here, film. Seventeenth. I'm talking about prior to this film, though. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I thought. Have. I, I thought so. He says something, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe it was he who said that I recognize this language because I've said it a number of times that some people be sitting back looking at, you know, for example, they might go see Nat Turner's Rebellion, what they call it, Birth of a Nation, Nate Parker's film. And they might be like, you know what? If I lived back then, I'd have been just like Nat. I wouldn't have been sitting on the sidelines. I, hey, I'd have been among those that would have joined in the revolution and smite down these evildoers and what have you. And and so I have often said that, you know what? You living during those times. You, you know, we uh, thought about the mentality of the Solomon Northrop. Solomon Northrop, man, he was getting down with business. He was entertaining folks. He was getting good work for them wealthy, uh, rich white people. And uh, just that like everything was gravy. Everything was gravy. Um, never talked about slavery, nothing like that. It took him being kidnapped. It took him being kidnapped and subjected to slavery himself for him to become an abolitionist. So all those people, I mean, even back then you had people sitting around that wasn't doing nothing. There are a lot, I don't want to make it seem like most black people were not doing nothing because I think the majority of them, I can't point to you to any statistical data, but just if I had to guess of my reading, I would say more black people than not were, were uh, abolitionists and even if only passively, you know, and, and, and what have you. And, and so... So um, when he said that, I was like, he right on. You ain't got to go back in history and daydream about it being 1860 because it's 2016 and the same doggone thing is going on. It's just more refined. So that just means they got better at it. That's all. Just means better at it. 
I'm glad they talked about Khalif Browder. I hear that Jay-Z is making a movie about Khalif Browder's story. I think he's in a, a perfect example of the criminality that is being uh, put upon our men, women, and children, and particularly our children. The suffering that a young man had to go through and the stance he took of uh, not taking the plea bargain, which uh, violates our Sixth Amendment right, 97% of all cases end in plea bargain, and uh, staying in there for three years. It cost him his life in the long run. 22 years old, passed away. Rest in peace, Khalif Browder. But I'm glad they put his story out there, and I hope his story is told in its entirety so people understand exactly what we've been dealing with. It may not happen to you right now. It may not affect you right now, but it is going to affect you, and indirectly it affects you. And one day it could be your son or your daughter, and that would be the very last or the worst time to become an abolitionist. You should start now. Start talking about this now. Start spreading the word now. Start making a difference now because one day it could be you. You could be Solomon Northrup playing your violin, happy as you can be, collecting your pennies by entertaining uh, these wealthy white people, which is what he was doing, and then one day getting snatched up and thrown into a cell, never to see the light of day again. Don't wait till then. Well, um, we got about four minutes left, so um, Yohanan, um, 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 Brother Zion, if y'all have any closing remarks y'all would like to make, now would be a good time. Well, uh, yeah, I would just like to say um, to anybody listening that didn't call, um, just... Like you say, uh, Mr. Reed, keep your head on the swivel out here. Watch out for your brother and get this information, get the truth, and peace peace to all y'all, man. Peace, brother. Peace, peace. Yeah, I just want to, uh, want to, you know, thank you fellas for coming out into the space and uh and giving us an opportunity to highlight this i mean all of this that we're doing is as they say there for posterity this is all on the record this is in history this is this is part of shaping the history so um you know the movie is an effort that i'm proud to see you know uh black folks taking the initiative to to use the formats that are out there and use the materials and the and the that get the the fame that they've built up, you know, to to use it and highlight this. So, you know, of course, as as experts, as humble as we are, I mean, at the end of the day, we study it. I mean, we we're on some kind of level with this. That yeah, we have a critique, but I don't want to come across like we, you know, just out here thumbing our nose at these people or whatever. This is good work, and they definitely put in work, and it was needed. So, what I want to see from here is uh, take it to the next level. And, and just continue to build. We got a great place to build. It appears that the soil is definitely fertile right now because we're seeing politically uh, that it's in the conversation. We're seeing, you know, on a nationwide level, there's a strike that's been going on for over a month now of the actual slaves. We owe them work out here in the free territory. They doing work there. They putting their lives on the line. We owe them to show solidarity. So it's just a really ripe time right now to get in this fight and I'm just looking forward to uh to to our next uh our next effort. Peace to the abolitionists, death to the oppressors.
Um, I guess I would close with saying that in the film. Uh, let me score. let me go first, Max. <laughs> you forgot oh, okay, about me. <laughs> so again, yeah, I just want to reiterate what Johanna just said. Please do not take our professional critique of a film. All films get reviewed, and we just try to be honest. And I mean, think about it like this. If you are are doing something, especially if you're doing it for the first time, and you may have consulted some people and, and, and things of that nature, and so you come out with your, your first, what, let's say it was a painting. Do you want your friends and your family to be honest with you about, you know, the quality of that piece of art, or do you want, you want them to lie to you? And then you thinking you Picasso and they just didn't want to hurt your feelings. So, you know, take crit- take take this sort of constructive criticism as a means to to improve yourself. Okay? It don't take it like we trying to tear it down because we're not trying to tear it down. Like Max said, it's it's the best of anything the mainstream that has ever seen the light of day on mainstream. They've been trying to get the Haitian Revolution movie made for decades and don't look like that gonna happen no time soon. So they hey, I know what it took for her to even get it on Netflix. Okay, to get it on Netflix. So again, it is a tool for abolitionists to use to convert new abolitionists. Does it provide them with all the information? No, it doesn't. But that's what you're there for. This is a conversation starter. And then you fill in any missing parts. So thank you, uh, Sister DuVernay. I appreciate your abolitionist effort. And until uh, we end slavery, you know, let's keep marching on in all people activity areas. Uh, Max. Indeed, I'm in agreement with you, Scotty. Thank you, Sister Ava DuVernay, for your participation and creation of this and all those involved. Thank you. I uh, just want to close with saying that in the film, you can hear a shot of Sikor warning us decades ago of prison construction and what it would be used for. It's right there in the film. And here at New Abolitionist Radio, we are telling you that it's an already done deal, and now it's time to end it. Keep in mind this. Abolition is the reason for a revolution, so we can finally know some peace. Peace. Rise up, 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 Showtime. Just lift your eyes up. Let your wise rise up, see the signs of the times, if it's time, rise up, rise up. When death and hell dwell among all God's people, when those we chose and trusted have become completely corrupted and inherently evil, when the feast that feeds you starves our father's children, when snuff porn and pedo forms begin to get top billing, rise up. When famine claims millions, when justice gives blind eyes to billions, when the Lord's anger is no longer feared, if his protection is gone and your enemies are near If you've seen the seas spill over And the mountains shake, break, and fall If the moon ever turns blood red And you can't see the sun at all Rise up, no matter if the prize is high in the skies Or deep